0: Sexual harassment
1: in Topeka and Jefferson City and the 2018 election outlook. I'm Dave Helling of the Star's editorial board, and you are on Deep Background. First, a quick editor's note this podcast was recorded on November 22nd. Joining me now to talk about these topics, Brian Lowry, Chief Political Reporter of the Kansas City Star. Brian, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having and, me, And dude. Kelsey
1: Ryan with the Star. And you, describe your job. You're the data journalist, investigative journalist. Tell, us, tell the podcast audience what you do. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so
0: um, I'm a data and investigative uh, journalist at the Star, so my job's kind of threefold. I uh, curate public databases. I do data-driven investigative stories and I help other reporters um, analyze and use data on their beats. Okay, great.
1: And today we're going to talk a little bit about a, a topic that's at the top of virtually everyone's mind, and that is the continuing stories of sexual harassment and predation and what they might mean for local legislatures. Uh, and, Kelsey, you and Brian and others have been reporting on the situation in Kansas. We, we, the Star did some extraordinary work, as I think most of our listeners would probably know, on the problem in Missouri a couple of years ago involving the then-Speaker John, uh, John Deal and others. But Kansas apparently has a problem. Tell us what, what's happening in Topeka relevant to this topic
0: right well um, like across the nation um, the conversation has definitely shifted uh, in recent uh, months to this issue which has always been around I should say yeah. um, but uh, what's happening now is we've you know we've been interviewing uh, women um, from various levels of government um, you know from interns to lobbyists to uh, legislators themselves. And, and, and a lot of these are on, you know, background or anonymously because they fear retribution. Still. Still. Um, but, you know, basically we're trying to let people know that this is an issue that faces folks um, in, in every area. And what
1: have we found in Kansas? Do we think it's pervasive, Kelsey? Is it Are these isolated incidents over many years? Because I think what stunned most of the country is that virtually every state legislature uh, is reporting this problem. Kansas is not aberrational in that sense, that it's a pervasive problem.
0: I I would say it's pervasive. Um, a lot of the women we've talked to, you know, they have cited incidents that have gone back years across both parties. Um, and like we said, at all levels of of, of working in the government. Right,
1: right. And so we don't think, Brian, do we, that these are just one or two complainers. No,
2: I mean I think one thing is anyone who's been around the state house had an idea that this was happening. I mean it gets was it got it got whispered about for a long time. I mean I had struggled. I had tried to report out um this story, you know, for for more than a year even before I came to the star. It was something that, you know, I had been uh, digging into and I talked to, you know, various women over over my time covering Kansas politics about it. Um, but really, what happened, I think, it, it, there's kind of this crescendo effect where the Weinstein scandal happened. And what that led to was women in the California State House speaking out. Obviously, Jason Hancock. Uh, the Missouri uh, State House guy for the Star, was way ahead of this uh, with his reporting on, Jefferson, on, on City. Jefferson City. Right. But uh, when people in Sacramento started speaking out about the conditions in that state house, that led to women uh, starting to speak out about the conditions in state houses around uh, the the country, from you know Rhode Island to Texas to it's been all over. And so there was a woman named Abby Hodgson who was a uh, Democratic... Uh, staffer for a few years who kind of spoke out about her experience being propositioned by a male lawmaker and uh, witnessing troubling behavior uh, around female interns. And uh, her frustration in particular was in kind of what she saw was kind of the lack of action by Democratic uh, leaders. So, you know. Abby speaks out about Kansas, and then that leads to you know a few more women speaking out. Some putting their names on it, some who are only comfortable doing so uh, speaking anonymously. But it's kind of this thing of like, it, it just kind of. I, I, I think people are kind of finally feeling safe to talk about this. Right.
1: But do we have a sense, uh, Brian? I'll ask you, and then and then Kelsey weigh in that leadership, broadly speaking, over the many years, knew this was going on and turned a blind eye to it? Or do we have a sense that this was going on and that the women were reluctant to step forward or that it, they felt isolated it, or embarrassed, and therefore there is a reason why it hasn't it's, come up It's a combination.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the women we've talked to never... Uh, they, well, while there are kind of uh, procedures in place, um, for various reasons, the women who experienced this didn't necessarily feel comfortable uh, reporting it. Um, in some cases, and it may have
1: felt that the leadership wouldn't do anything right, about there, it. Right there, anyway there's kind of a forward. there was
2: kind of a situation where uh, you could report it to uh, your your direct supervisor. Uh, so if you're a staffer, you know that's the lawmaker uh, that you work for. If you're an intern, it, it's a little bit more complex, and I think it's pretty clear that there wasn't the best. Um, procedures in place for interns to know how to report their right. situation. Right,
1: and just to interrupt you briefly, we, we have to give interns a break in this situation. Maybe hard enough for a subordinate to come forward right. and make these allegations, Kelsey. Interns must be terrified when yeah. this happens. I mean, let's, you know, to expect them to know, even if you had them in a room and said, hey, if you have anything happen, go to person X, to actually do so would ask for enormous courage from these young women, uh, and maybe more than we have a right to expect. Right. Is that right to say? Or correct yeah. to say? You
0: think? I mean, I think, I think, overall, this issue getting a lot of attention for for women across various industries. This has always been an issue, and it's it's interesting to watch a conversation actually happen now. Um, and and you're right it does put especially um a difficult uh put them in especially a difficult position for interns but but it also puts the women who are in lobbyist positions and in legislators themselves in difficult positions because you know these are career women and um they don't want to be um cast aside or basically made a pariah of um for coming out with these allegations
1: yeah particularly because the standards may be different the environment is i mean it's a very it's a very difficult gray area and yet we know this in missouri the only reason that jason was able to break that story is because the interns were did have the courage Mm -hmm. to come forward speak on the record even the weinstein story and the others that we're seeing involve women who come forward on the record that's an enormous ask Right, you know, in this situation, well, to ask them to Kelsey do that, brings up the which issue. is why it's so difficult well, to Because
0: there's, there's strength in numbers, yeah. yes, and that's why this is happening. Yes, and, and Kelsey
2: brings up the issue of lobbyists. Lobbyists, uh, you know, one of the people who came forward and put her name on it was Elise Higgins, who was a lobbyist for Planned Parenthood uh, for many years, and talked about some inappropriate contact she had with Democratic lawmakers. And her her really tough decision was she said she she felt she had to choose between. Uh, either, you know, reporting this problem or sacrificing an ally. I mean, in Kansas, the pro-choice movement already faces such an uphill <laughs> right. battle that, you know, she'd be giving up kind of, you know, these guy people who were allies, at least, when it came to voting. You know? Right. And, and I think that's kind of one of the things that makes it difficult, is it's, it's, it's people that you are in close contact with uh, who are the abusers in this situation and it's it's not and a, have some position
1: yeah. of power or influence over what you're right, concerned right about. and that you know we have to emphasize this point because so far <laughs> we've talked about the responsibilities of women and but it's you know men are the cause of this problem a- and and male behavior is what's at issue here not necessarily what women do or don't do if men just cut this out it, reporting wouldn't be a problem so do we, Kelsey, think the men in Topeka get it?
0: I think that's yet to be determined, yeah. especially since How we How will have we know session.
1: that? I mean, are, are, do you think that—
0: It's going to be if they take making, you know, some changes in terms of training seriously, and it's also going to just have to be a change in culture. Um, I think, you know, as a country we have a culture where this kind of has been hidden for a long time or just not talked about, you know— um, and I think maybe in the Midwest, um, it's even more pervasive, that culture of, of secrecy. Does it,
1: does it help at all that we now get a sense that men, particularly in positions of authority like legislatures, um, are on notice that your career will be ruined, whatever that career is, if you behave aberrantly? I mean, you know, John Deal was speaker, and then two days later he was, not Charlie Rose was you know on CBS news and then he wasn't literally in a 24-hour period I mean there one of the things I think is changing is that the punishments for men who act out are swifter than they might have been in other days I
0: think the hope is you know that it won't just be oh my career's at stake I hope that men and and you know the legislature and other areas are all thinking would i want to be spoken yes. to oh, that no, this way. is wrong I mean, this just is make wrong them, make that, right. how would i feel if if someone said what i'm saying to them to me and i think it's going to take that kind of introspection for for right. real change
1: but is there happen. a possibility that men will say what i thought was right last year i now know is wrong
0: i would hope i so. mean <laughs>
1: that's really you know my, my actions you know I, Again, this is such a difficult fraught area because you don't want to endorse this behavior, but you can see how people would say, oh, I made a crack at a bar a year ago that I now realize was offensive and didn't realize I mean at I the think time. there's
2: been in in talking to male lawmakers, I think there's already some reflection on and sort it's of, never
0: too late you know, to apologize be- be- yes. behavior
2: um, I mean one thing so where we're kind of at in Kansas is Missouri is further along right Missouri had to, to begin a process of reform. One of the groups that advise Missouri, the Kansas City based Women's Foundation, is now advising uh, the Kansas legislature on maybe updating some policies. Uh, the, the Star and our sister paper, The Eagle, have looked into the situation in other states. You know, Kansas is one of the states that does not require training for legislators. There is some amount of maybe a little bit of talking about it during legislative orientation, but you got to keep in mind, you've got people in topeka who have been in their positions for decades and so if they only had if they what the training that they received in 1992 if they received any is not necessarily the same training you'd get in 2017 and so there's kind of this effort to update the policies to review it i mean some states i believe it's tennessee uh if there is a complaint that is found valid about um a lawmaker sexual harassment complaint they don't disclose the victim's name but they do disclose the lawmaker's name and i mean that's one thing in kansas um ron reichman the speaker of the house confirmed that he has had to deal with this issue they have had to do some investigating into this during his uh time as speaker but we don't know i mean it's not been disclosed who that lawmaker is or who that those people are because in kansas there's not kind of a required uh, disclosure of yeah. who the perpetrator is. But, but, but
1: I think you've said, said something so important, Kelsey, and I think it's right that the training and the procedures put in place are very important and they need to be improved, but they're not the end of this discussion, right? I mean, it, it really is a behavioral change that's required of men in all workplaces. Do you think we're at that inflection point?
0: I think that this is a good starting point. For a lot of these discussions, and hopefully more and more women will come out with stories, um, and that way, people who haven't gotten it yet will, will get an idea of the scope. One, one interesting. Uh, Area that's kind of been discussed a lot now is how important it is to elect more women uh, to the government. And really? To the
1: because we have one woman running for statewide office in Kansas and she's that's a true. teenager.
0: That's true. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it begs the discussion. And I wrote that
1: editorial, and by the way, and I got some grief from women saying, in essence, claiming that we're trying to pressure women into running. And I think our argument was exactly yours that the more women in government, the more things like this get discussed and maybe fixed uh, and Kansas could use some of
0: well, that. Well, and Kansas historically has had a lot of uh, women in high-ranking positions. Um, in the last few years, it's kind of slipped. Right. Um, and, and government,
1: I must say, that, uh, since I'm an editorial writer, I can say this now. Government was better when women were uh, uh, in statewide <laughs> office. It just was. I mean, you know, Nancy Kassebaum and Kathleen Sebelius and Joan Finney and, sally thompson and carla stovall and you just go down the list uh it seemed like kansas was does not face the kind of problems that it faces today i i can say that because i'm on the editorial board but is it just that electing more women or is there a sort of a more fundamental change that's needed
0: i think there's the fundamental change it's not going to just be a one one solution uh uh, to this problem it's it's going to be a, a cultural change. It's going to be additional training and policies. It's going to be continuing to keep this conversation going and not letting it die once the next news cycle um, occurs. Right. And and I think that yeah, electing women could uh, have an impact on that culture overall. Yeah.
1: And the other thing we say as we sort of wrap up this segment is, we have to applaud uh, the courage of the women who have stepped forward. I mean that it, it, it's it's breathtaking what what courage it takes to do that and, and face the blowback, whatever that's going to be. And yet in this context, Brian, almost absolutely essential. I mean, when the women start stepping forward, then we now know there is a problem as opposed to whispering about it I, in, the, I mean, in the corners.
2: Correct, I mean, one of our, when we, did, when we did our first story, we had then women reach out to us. I mean, there is there is a real process of when someone decides to be visible on this, it sends a message um, to other people who have been a victim that it's okay that you can you can do this and 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 you can step out um, you know and so that's why I think with a lot of the national report I mean this is you know you you talk about this is when we we think about uh, the national dialogue that's happening it, it really um, is incumbent on those of us in journalism. To go about this with some sensitivity, right? To uh, to keep in mind that yes, while we want to break the stories, we also have kind of a duty to, to handle these journalist. stories with sensitivity <laughs> and to to not try to pressure uh, women or men who have been victims of this uh, to speak unless they're comfortable yeah.
0: because they they are they are entrusting us with their story but also potential futures um when they do this and that's when they're on the record or when they're anonymous sources too um because yeah i think there's this strength in numbers issue and and i think that definitely helps A lot of the women, when they know that they're not the only ones in the story, um, gives them that courage. All right.
1: Kelsey, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us for that wisdom and and good information. Brian, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit about the political picture in uh, in, uh, Kansas and Missouri when we come back. back now with Brian Lowry, my friend, the, again, the chief political correspondent for the newspaper. Well, we're a little less than a year from Election Day, 2018, yeah. big races in Kansas and Missouri. We spent a lot of time in the first segment talking about Kansas. So let's start in Missouri. All eyes focused on Josh Hawley and Claire McCaskill. The
2: control of the U.S. Senate, right? <laughs> the fight for control of the U.S. Senate well, where, where goes we, through Missouri.
1: Where do we think that race stands today?
2: Well, you know, it's it's kind of this... it's mccaskill has done amazing fundraising work she's off to a real lead fundraising she has been doing this tour around the state of town halls and she's going into areas of the state where she's not necessarily popular uh she's doing a lot of work uh that said i mean she will refer to herself as the underdog because she's going to be competing in his state uh, that Trump won by, I believe, 19 points. Um, it's not going to be. She knows that there's a target. She knows that there's going to be a lot of outside money uh, coming at her. I think for Republicans, where they're at is uh, Republican leadership has has found a candidate in Attorney General Josh Hawley that they think can really, want, you know, ran statewide and won by a large margin in. 2016 has gotten, you know, some good name recognition, even though he's, you know, relatively new to the uh, political scene. They, they you know, they think he offers, I think, a good contrast uh, to Claire McCaskill, but is also maybe mainstream enough right. that you don't alienate folks. I think the fear among Republicans is, can we get this right? Can we avoid another Aiken uh, situation.
1: Well, let me let me push back just a little bit for discussion's sake because I, I, I've written and I think we've all talked about Claire McCaskill running for re-election in a plus-19 state for Donald Trump. But remember, Roy Blunt was on that same ballot against mm-hmm. Jason Kander and won by three right. with the Trump push. I mean, right. with the Trump. So, you know, it, it, while she surely faces headwinds, it's an off-year election. The you know it's the second year of the Trump term, which is typically a slump right. time for the in-party. Um, you know, she has shown great political skill in in bridging the gap between the urban Democrats and sort of more rural Democrats. I I think she is the underdog, but just slightly
2: a year. She's off. though. It's it's kind of like it's like. You know, you think about Muhammad Ali and just kind of like the the skill that he had later in his career. She she still knows how to throw yes, a punch, sir, no question. She knows how to throw. It. Like she, her lines have been, her li- like uh, before Holly even officially got into the race, he was facing some controversy at. Um, he was facing some controversy over this residency issue, and I, I know the Ed Board has kind of yeah, said this yeah. is this is not an issue, and yeah. I, I agree. Probably of that, all the issues, you know, this not is many down Missour- on the list. Not yes. many Missourians probably care whether Josh Hawley lives in Columbia or Jefferson City. Um, however, so McCaskill. Uh, what I when I asked her about this she she had the greatest light ever which was well you know I may just be a mizzou educated yeah, lawyer right. but I know that shall mean shall and I know he went to Harvard or Yale or one of those fancy schools but I'm pretty sure they told him shall <laughs> we so you're just gonna have like these McCaskill barbs. right Throughout the race, and
1: you will also see, and this is as predictable as the sunrise, that Claire McCaskill, in every sixth year, will become the most moderate, the most centrist, the most non-liberal, the most independent yeah. uh, senator in the history of the republic. Yeah. And and she, th- there is clear evidence that that little march to the center is
2: going. Oh, on. Oh well, you know, like there, there was uh, when she was in Kansas City not too long ago. She had an event with Pat Roberts, and they they hugged outside, and I captured. I ca- I captured that moment, right? right. And then Roberts complimented her, and I got some emails from people like, "Man, that's just that's Claire." That Pat Roberts quote complimenting yeah. Claire McCaskill is going <laughs> to end up on bumper stickers. But let's talk know.
1: about Josh Hawley a little bit. First of all, it's likely the re- the Democrats never expected him to run. I mean, this is a bit of a surprise, maybe even to right. Josh Hawley, but. For all of the concern going in that he would be sort of a doctrinaire, uh, extremely conservative, Chris Kobach, maybe Phil Klein-like figure in Missouri, he hasn't been that really so far. I mean, he's done op- opioid stuff. He's suing Google. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the antitrust
2: investigation. Yes, yeah, so
1: so so, uh, suing Google. He's he's trying to get information from Google, but you know, he does seem to be not Todd Aiken.
2: Right. Well, I don't think. I, and by the way, keep in mind there are other Republican candidates. You know, we've got yes, uh, we've yes. got some interesting characters. We've got Austin Peterson who yes. who ran for the Libertarian presidential nomination, didn't get it. Uh, we've from got, Kansas City. Yeah, by from the Kansas way. City. Um, uh, we've got Cortland Sykes, who's a recent transplant to Missouri. Who's uh, you know, just go go on his website and check out the Cortland Sykes videos. They are. They are interesting viewing. He but has he, a nine but, and a half minute yeah. open letter to Josh Hawley where he calls him a rhino. Yeah, um, but and, but
1: let's be clear: right. Josh Hawley is the overwhelming favorite oh, to he, win the he, nomination. He's, got
2: the, he's the only one who's ran right. statewide. He's really he's the only one who's ever won an election. Right. Of and those in fact,
1: guys. the Republicans um, are clearly cl- clearing the the brush. Right, form, and so.
2: some of the other people who would have been more competitive: Treasurer Schmidt and Wagner. Uh, state representative Kurtman yeah, these folks away. aren't getting into the election they, they flirted with the idea the the official kind of party has more or less cleared the field for right, right. for Josh Hawley so there's only really these outsider candidates and, and Josh Hawley hasn't been who,
1: controversial in a way that say Eric Gridens has been I mean Gridens is getting all kinds of barbs Josh Hawley again, against maybe expectations, has been you know has a pretty clean sheet a year. Well, you
2: bring you bring up that he's done a lot of work on opioids, and it's interesting. I mean, who who is someone who's very involved in opioids? It's 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 Claire McCaskill. He's chosen a couple of her. He's also been very anti-human trafficking, which is one of Claire McCaskill's big issues. So he's he's maybe chosen he's he's decided to choose issues. But you don't see him,
1: for example, out front. He's clearly pro-life, but you don't see him that aggressive on. Abortion issues mm-hmm. as a legal matter, as Attorney right. General, and the biggest critique against him so far from the Democrats is he's a, a ladder climber, right. which is I don't know how much resonance that has. Which there or, were Democratic—I mean, we have a president who's never held elected office. There were Democratic
2: so. staffers who were riding around Jefferson City with a ladder in their car, uh, riding around. Uh, I think maybe with a megaphone talking about Josh Hawley climbing ladders. Um, I think the question about Josh Hawley is. Uh, well, he has campaigned statewide. We haven't seen him on the stump as much as Claire McCaskill, and you know he's done he's done relatively few events since officially kicking it off. I mean, he's had a press call with reporters. He's done, I think, you know, he's he's done some maybe fundraising work, but he we haven't seen him on the campaign trail yeah. yet. Although and we're so a year that, yeah, out, I mean, right, right. But I think the question becomes, you know. Um, what are his retail politics skills, which, you know, First glance, they seem to be pretty good, but you know that's where he's right. that's where he's going against Claire McCaskill, who has a real gift. That, right. For that. And
1: the other, before we move to Kansas, the other thing to keep in mind is we have not yet seen the deluge of outside money coming into Missouri, which I think all of us expect to happen. If you're right that this is control of the Senate territory, the money will pour in, well, and what impact that has on the we've dynamic. We've
2: already seen a little bit of that. Yeah. We've already seen a little bit of both pro and anti uh, McCaskill ads.
1: But not anything you know, close to what we're going to Oh, we're going to gonna be
2: overwhelmed. Yes. I mean, we are just going to be, if, if you live in Missouri, disconnect your television. Yeah, or Kansas, You know,
1: <laughs> in the Kansas City area, because you're going to see the same thing. Okay, let's move to Kansas. We've got about maybe 10 minutes left. Um, the governor's race, of course, is on the table. Uh, all statewide offices, the legislature. We don't want to dig too deep into the weeds of the specific state race, state representative and senate races because we're a year out but what do we how do we see the governor's race now i think uh, your friend john Hanna wrote a piece the other day right saying chris kobach was the favorite on the republican side if
2: you talk to republican strategists if you talk to the republican campaigns everybody will tell you about how the race is between their candidate and chris kobach (laughs) which to me i mean we haven't had a lot of polling but to me uh confirms that yet yeah, chris kobach is the guy to beat i mean i can look at my own internal numbers here at the star and see that if you put kobach's name in a headline you're going to get a lot more clicks than if you put any of these other guys right. uh, names It now part of that is because some people really hate chris kobach right. but another part is because people really love him he he feels passions he's already i mean he's what by by the when when does this actually come out on air Uh, today. Oh, comes out today. (laughs) All right. 22nd of November. Next week, next next week on air, I'm speaking in old broadcasting terms. Um, Next week, I mean, he'll have the president's son will fly to Overland Park to do a fundraiser with him. So he's already shown kind of an ability that he, uh, he's been endorsed by Sean Hannity. He, he's already shown kind of an ability that he is going to have the big-name conservatives get involved in his behalf. But how
1: much of that, Brian, is because... How much of our perception of Kobach is driven by the idea that he stands out only because the field is so large? If there were just one opponent or two, nameless X... Maybe you know. Maybe he's at twenty-five percent with a ten-person field, or twenty-five percent with a two-person field. I talked to the a Republican very, last night who yeah.
2: made that point. Like, you don't beat Kobach unless you whittle down the field. Right. And I think that's going to be the question: is by May, are all of these candidates still in the race? Will the fundraising? Uh, will some just choose not to? I mean there's a couple guys you can see a scenario for them if you get a lot of a lot of these conservatives stay in maybe you do have a slight chance where someone like ed o'malley can capture enough moderate votes to win with the plurality. That's a really uphill battle. Jeff Collier is actually going to be governor. So Jeff, it's I think most people kind of see this as a race between Kobach and Collier on the Republican side. Uh, he's got a very tight window because, keep in mind, Brownback still hasn't left yet. He's right. delegating right. his budgetary power and his appointment power. If Jeff Collier can establish himself as a governor... Uh, start to build his own legacy in that very short time before the August primary that's maybe separate from Brownback, step out of Brownback's shadow. Uh, maybe he can become the establishment pick because I'll tell you, there are establishment Republicans who fear the prospect of a Christmas Oh, no Kobach question about it. But if it
1: comes down to Collier-Kobach and you're looking for a not Sam Brownback third term, you really don't have that option, yeah, do you? I you mean, know. it's Collier and Kobach. Are both third terms for Sam
2: well, Brownback? Well, it's essentially. Which is, I think the argument. You know, that, it's essentially whether you want to go with Brownback light, which yes. is Collier, or whether you oh, want Brownback. a double dose. Yeah, right, <laughs> you right. You right, want right. a more steroids. extreme version. Right, right,
1: Brownback. and that's but the Ed O'Malley off. path, right? right? That's for or Jim Barnett or whoever it's going right. to be is to say, I am the anti Kobach right. or anti Brownback. These guys are the pro. And Brownback. the issue, because that, there is a taste in the Republican Party, right. don't you think? For a non-Brownback third term, his popularity is in the certainly. But ditch what you ca-
2: what you captured there is you've got Ed O'Malley doing right, that, right? You've got Jim Barnett doing that. You've got Mark Hutton, who's maybe right. a little bit more conservative than those two, but still was a pretty independent right. voice in the legislature. They're all doing a variation of that, right. and so so do we can win? They all three. I mean,
1: yeah. So do we winnow the field before the primary? Do probably.
2: You, I mean, uh, fundraising is going to be a big part of that. Um, I think when January rolls around and we get a look at where the fundraising levels are, then we can maybe start to identify who are the serious contenders right. in this race. Right. And
1: then let's talk about the Democrats quickly, because they have a primary, too. Yeah, first time Carl since Brewer, 1998. Carl Brewer, uh, Jim uh, Jim uh, Ward, and then... Uh, and Josh uh, Swati. Josh Svati. And that's going to be a fascinating right. race, too. And... And I think the there's Democrats, also a high school student there, yeah, a few right. others. The, the Democrats really feel an opportunity here, right. but it doesn't seem as if there, you know, any of those candidates against Chris Kobach is going right. to be an interesting.
2: And, and Johnson County uh, listeners will be able to. Uh, there is actually a forum of the Democratic of uh, gu- gubernatorial candidates. Being hosted by the johnson county young democrats right. next week i think the, I same, think we're day, doing stuff, the stars, same day that trump yeah. jr comes to town <laughs> so you can either go to trump jr or you can go to this democratic well, the democratic the star is going to do a yeah.
1: democratic debate too and December.
2: so um none of these guys necessarily have statewide name recognition carl brewer obviously mayor of wichita for for two terms very well known in wichita not as well established in the kansas city region maybe not as well established in western kansas jim ward has the biggest bully pulpit because he's minority leader of the house but that means that you know the stuff that we talked about in on the first part of the show show questions about sexual harassment in the legislature all of the controversies that will come up in Topeka, invariably, it means he can face some blowback from some of those controversies. Uh, Josh Swati's got a good base in you know areas where Democrats don't really compete but in the primary you know is he going to be is he going to have enough support in the actual democratic
1: right in a, in a normal primary you might think the answer is no but again Jim Ward is not the powerhouse that you would expect in Wyandotte County or right. Johnson I mean, County the, where democrats are the
2: the best known democrat in the state of Kansas who has not served as a, a governor previously um, is Paul Davis Paul D- who, you know, lost to Brown back in twenty fourteen. Right, Paul Davis is running and- for Congress. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I've had a few people say to me like uh about how competitive they think Paul would have been against uh, Kobach, but people also see him as very competitive right. in that second and and, and would have, could have,
1: should have. Yeah. I mean, we're a year out. We've got to figure. You know, we've got the players that we're we've also get. got
2: the prospect of Greg Orman making an independent yes. bid. Yes, can self fund.
1: Yes, and how much he draws then from the Democrat and how much concern there is that he would in essence hand it to Chris Kobach is a subject of some interest and in something for another day. But let me conclude because we're running a bit long. What what will the candidates be talking about next year, Brian? I mean, is transparency? We've done the big series. Is it school finance? Is it abortion and immigration? Is it the Brownback record? What what will the, the yeah. fulcrum be? Well, one,
2: day? I think school finance is always going to play because you're going to be dealing with uh, you're going to be dealing with whether or not uh, the legislature can finally. and I feel like I've been saying this for five years because I have uh, whether the legislature can finally satisfy the court, uh, meet the uh, constitutional obligation on school finance. And that's going to be right before the primary. So um, school finance is definitely going to reverberate through the primary and the general election. Transparency, I mean, the star had has had this uh, wonderful series that I, I was luck- right. lucky to be part of. Uh, it has started a lot of discussion. We'll have to obviously see if that... Discussion continues, but you've seen a lot of candidates, Josh Swaddy on the Democratic side being being one of them, Mark Hutton on the uh, Republican side, who are really talking about some transparency reforms. Uh, some of these guys would have maybe already been predisposed to that already, but they're using the, the Star Series as really kind of a launching pad for that Um Conversation in Kobach as well, right? Kobach as right, well because right. he's been he's been running on the idea that there is a culture of corruption. And clean the, clean in, of the in swamp, the, of the swamp, um, that type of thing. Uh, and but, then
1: Brownback has got to be an issue. I oh mean, yeah, he,
2: I mean he'll cast a long shadow, and Brownback and the
1: idea of do you want to go through what we just went through? The question I think of, that's the defining the question of also
2: Rachel. when he leaves is kind of interesting. I mean. While Brownback is telling people that he's hoping for a vote on his confirmation uh, by around Christmas, I don't see any indication that that's necessarily going to happen. He could still be around here in January. Right, although he's or handing February, off his duties, he's, he's yeah.
1: asking Collier to draft the budget. He's allowing Collier to make announcements on right. cabinet members. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty clear that he's checked out. He's at still some living level. in the
2: governor's mansion, yeah. though. <laughs> but
1: so so what? But the overriding issue, in my view, is Brownback. Do you want to do another four years of what we just went that's I
2: mean, that's. And what, some
1: people will say yes that we need to roll back the tax increases. That it's been a mess that's uh-huh. one
2: thing that the Democrats are gonna hit hard on and I think particularly if right if Kobach is the Republican nominee or Collier or Collier they're gonna I, I mean they are gonna hit on that hard of yeah
1: and the and the Kobach and Collier to some degree have already said yeah we we would be the third term of Sam Brownback I mean I just think that's the fulcrum
2: well Collier's slogan is something to the effect of about like a new day in Kansas and if anyone recalls, Brownback's re-election slogan was about how the sun was shining right. in Kansas. So I guess the sun must have set at some point because we are now in a new day. And can I
1: just say the sun has set on this edition of the podcast because we're out of time. Brian, so good to talk to you. We'll want to get together again, of course, next uh, on the other side of the year and see where these races are. It's going to be a fascinating year in both states. I Thanks think. for having me. Yeah. Happy
2: Thanksgiving, yeah, Dave. You too.
1: Brian Lowry with The Star. I'm Dave Helling with The Star's editorial board. You have been on deep background.